And let us open our Bibles to the book of Proverbs 23, verse 7. The book of Proverbs 23, another one, chapter number 23, and then we are looking at verse 7. Very importantly, this month is a month of what? Breaking limits. Look at your neighbor and say, breaking limits. Say it one more time. Say it one more time. Okay, Proverbs 23, verse 7. The word of God says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. I want it to have at the back of your mind, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. The title of my message is going to be Breaking the Powers of Self-Limiting Beliefs. Breaking the Powers of Self-Limiting Beliefs. What are self-limiting beliefs and how do I break the power? How did God help me? several years ago to break the powers of self-limiting beliefs. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your tender mercies. We thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence. As we open your word, oh God, let us receive the life and the spirit that is in the word into our lives so that we can be better people, challenged, inspired, and motivated to do exactly what you expect and require and command to be done so that we may turn out the way you originally planned and not just in any way whatsoever. We give you the glory and praise, Father God. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Breaking the powers of self-limiting belief. As a human being, you need to know that you are a tripartite creature. Tripartite. T-R-I-P-A-R-T-I-T-E. What is a tripartite creature? A tripartite creature is a creature with three parts. Three parts. Tripartite. T-R-I-P-A-R. T-I-T-E. A human being is a tripartite creature, which means you are made up of three parts. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, And I pray God that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can see there, spirit, soul, and body. Those are the three parts that you and I are made up of. No matter who you are, man or woman, poor or old, I mean poor or rich, old or young, you have those three parts. You are a tripartite creature. Now, while our body is not difficult to identify, I mean, when I say spirit, soul, and body, our body here it's not difficult to identify because it is the case of the house in which we live. 
when I say you are a tripartite creature, and I say you are spirit, soul, and body, well, your body is not difficult to identify. The one that is difficult to identify is our spirit and our soul. Our spirit and our soul. But I will help you to be able to identify those parts as well. This is the body. That is one third of who we are. However, we also have what we call spirit. Spirit. That is the part of us that was given to us from God. You remember in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let him have dominion. You find the same statement repeated in Genesis 5.1 that you and I are made in the likeness of God. You find it repeated in Genesis 9.6 that you and I are made in the image and the likeness of God. So you and I have something from God that ensures that you and I are creating the image of God. So in Genesis 2.7, I want you to notice, the Bible said God formed man out of the dust of the earth. What he formed out of the dust of the earth was our body. That was what he formed out of the dust of the earth. Then he now gave us his spirit. How did he do it? Verse 7, Genesis 2.7. He said, then he breathed into man the breath of life. So after God had created man, what did he do? He put a bit of himself into man. He put a bit of himself into man. And when he did, that was when he gave us our spirit. So you see, in John chapter 4, verse 24, it says God is a spirit. Okay, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. When God made the animals, he didn't breathe into the animals, so animals don't have spirit. But when he made man, he breathed into man, and so man got something from God. So that is how you and I do not just have a body that is made from dust, but we also have something from God. Now, so you can see that we have identified how you got your body. You got your body from the dust. How did I get my spirit? I got my spirit when God breathed into me. But now, how did I get my soul? How did my soul come to be in me. Remember man is tripartite. He's made up of three parts. He, has a, he is a spirit. He lives in a body. But how did his soul come? Now let me tell you how man's soul was created. I want you to listen to how man's soul was created. It's a little bit, it's a little bit as theology, but just listen. How was our soul created? Now, when God breathed into man, when God breathed into man, the breath of God reacted with the mud, which is the body, and created a third, a third component, which is called soul. So, what do we have? We have a body, which was made from the dust. We have what next? We have spirit, which is from God. But when God breathed into that body that was ordinarily dust, the Bible says man became a living soul. So you can see. So soul was what was created 
as a result of the spirit of God coming into the mud that God had formed. So that is the origin of your soul and my soul. So you and I are spirits. We have a soul and we live inside a body. That is why I said it from the very beginning that, you know, that that is, that is why I said from the very beginning that man is tripartic. So that is important. Our spirit is important. Our body is important. Our soul is also important. Now let me say this to you. Listen carefully to me. What is it that differentiates one man from another man? It is not our body. Everything in my body is what is in your body. So, my body is like your body. I have kidney, you have kidney. I have liver, you have kidney, liver. I have bladder, you have bladder. I have muscles, you have muscles. Fine. Now, it is not our spirit either that differentiates us. Why? I have spirit, you have spirit. The spirit you have in you is the same spirit I have in me. If you are born again, the spirit you have in you is the same spirit I have in me. But what differentiates one person from another? What differentiates John from Jane, Justus from, uh, from Samantha, is the soul. The soul. The soul is the component of our personality. It is the place that defines who we are. We are spirits. All of us have spirits generally. We live in a body. Your body is my body. But our soul is not the same. Our soul is not the same. Our soul is the place of personality. My soul is different from your soul. So have that on the back of your mind. We are tripartite. And our soul is what determines the kind of person that we are. So listen to me furthermore. Listen here. If as a Christian, your spirit controls your soul, you are called spiritually minded. But if as a Christian, your soul is under the influence of your body, you are called carnally minded. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6 tells us this. So our soul is very important. If our soul is being controlled by our flesh, we are carnally minded. If our soul is being controlled by our spirit, we are spiritually minded. So actually the soul is what determines the kind of person we are. If we put our soul under the subjection of our flesh, then we are not spiritual people. But if we put our soul under the subjection of our spirit, we are spiritual people. So our soul is so important. You see, what I'm sharing with you is so important to, it's so important that you need to understand it for you to be able to break certain things that control you. Certain things that limit you so vitally. Now, in Hebrew, the word for soul is the word nephes. N-E-P-H-E-S-H. S-H, N-E-P-H-E-S-H. In the Greek, the word for soul is suche, P-S-U-C-H-E. So our nephes, our soul, is so important. Now, here in Proverbs 23, verse 7, 
where it says, as a man thinketh in his heart. The word used there that they refer to as heart is actually the word nephes. So who a man is, is who he is in his soul. Your soul is who you are. You are born again. Your spirit is recreated in the image of the likeness of God. You have a body, of course. Your body is like that. It's the way it is. It has life in it. But the real issue is our soul. That is the real issue. And I want you to follow my thought. Of great importance is the need for us to work on our soul. We need to work on our soul. You see, let me tell you this. At the moment when you get saved, nothing happens to your body. If you had gonorrhea when you get saved, you still have gonorrhea. If you had cough when you got saved, you still have cough. If you have one leg when you get saved, you still have one leg. If you have one eye when you get saved, you still have one eye. What gets saved when you get saved is your spirit. Second Corinthians 5.17, wherefore if any man be Christ, he is a new creature. Ezekiel 11.19 talks about it. Ezekiel 36.26 talks about it. He said, I will take that heart of stone out and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit inside you. But at the point when we get saved, nothing happens to our, our soul. Nothing happens to your soul when you get saved. Let me say this to you. You never walk to get saved. But you need to work out your salvation. And working out your salvation simply means working on your soul. After your spirit is saved, your soul also needs to get saved. Your soul needs to be educated and brought to the level of your spirit. The Bible says it in James 1.21. You see, getting your spirit saved is, God's, is God who does that from beginning to the end. But getting your soul saved, it is you who needs to do something about it. James 1.21 says, put away all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Some people think once I get saved, I'm a Christian. You are not. Now you get saved, of course, in your spirit, but your soul is still not saved. And your soul needs to be saved. And one thing that is important is the place of the word. There is no way you can live life to the full if you don't work on your soul. If you don't work on your soul, if you live your soul the way it is, the moment you get saved, and never make effort to make sure that you work on your soul, to bring your soul to the level of your spirit, you will be a Christian, but in the most difficult way. That's why you see so many Christians who are carnally minded. You see them love worldly music. You see them walk with worldly ideas. You see them have worldly friends. You see them commit to the things that a true Christian should not commit to. Even after 10 years of being a Christian, 15 years of being a Christian, 20 years of being a Christian. Because their souls are not saved yet. And your soul needs to be saved because you are a tripartite creature. And every part of you needs to have something that you need to do. And your body, you need to put your body under. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27. So you need to work on your soul and your body even after your spirit is saved. Put away all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. One transition says which is able to give you, give you salvation. 
Another one says, which is able to save your lives. So you see that? Part of your life is what your soul is. Your soul is part of your life. And just give it out something that also call is the beginning of your Christian experience. You need to do something about your soul. If you don't do something about your soul, you will live a limited life. You will live a life of great limits. You will never be able to become the potential that God wants you to become. And that will work against you almost all the days of your life. And that is why you see people who are born again, who sincerely come to church, but who have never done what they need to do about their soul, remain limited and stagnant through life. It's because what they need to do about their soul have not been done yet. Okay, what does he say? Another translation says, receive with the grafted word, which is able to give new life to your soul. Your soul needs new life. Just like your spirit received new life, by answering the altar call, saying the sinner's prayer, getting prayed for, your soul needs to be saved, but that is your duty. It wouldn't happen like God made it happen for your spirit. It will happen by you doing what you ought to do when it comes to matters of your soul, which is able to give new life to your soul. Another one says, which is able to save you. So, you are saved by being born again in your spirit, but you are not safe yet. You are not safe yet. You see, this is the reality of redemption. Many people don't understand this fact. Many people think, oh, I've asked the altar call. I've been a Christian for 10 years. That does not, you are saved. Of course, your spirit is saved, but your soul also needs to be saved. And Psalm 23 even talks about it. In verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. He leadeth me in the jersey waters. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And then in verse 3, it says, He restores my soul. One translation says, he, he, he restores my inner person. My inner person, not my inmost person. Your inmost person is your spirit. Your inner person is your soul. Now listen to me. When you mind your soul and your spirit, that is what is called the inward man. And then your body is what is called the outward man. So you need to work on your soul to bring it to the level that your spirit is if you are not going to be limited. If you don't work on your soul, your life will be like a kingdom divided against itself. While your spirit knows many things and wants to move forward, your soul, because it has not been worked upon, will keep pulling you backward. And that is why progress becomes so difficult. That is why progress becomes challenging. That is why life becomes complicated. Because you are like a city divided against itself. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but the spiritually minded is life and peace. If you want life and peace, then you need to work on your soul. Remember, I'm speaking on the subject, breaking the powers of self-limiting beliefs. Another one says, instead of saying he restores my soul, he says he renews my life. You see, when God made man in the garden before man sinned, Man had a brand new soul that was as good as the spirit of God that God gave man. But you see, when man sinned, the spirit and the soul of man was corrupted. 
At the moment when you get saved, he gives you a new spirit. He gives you a new soul. But he now expects you to walk, or he gives you a new spirit, but does not give you a new soul. He now expects you to walk on your soul. To bring your soul back to the nature of the soul that Adam had in Genesis 2-7 before he sinned in the garden. If you understand me, wave your hand and say, I hear you, sir. It's funny. You see, what I'm teaching you is the key to greatness. Is the key to progress. Is the key to victory and success in life. Walking out your salvation. Not working for it. You didn't work for your salvation in terms of getting saved. That was instantly given to you. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the heart confession is made unto salvation. But your soul was not saved. So at the moment, after you get saved, you now need to save your soul or do what I call restore your soul. Another one says, instead of saying he restored my soul, he said he giveth me new strength new strength when your soul is in the shape and form and fashion it should be it is new strength another one says he refreshes my soul i like this he said he converted my soul you see that he converts my soul your your spirit was converted a new spirit was given to you but your soul was was not nothing was done about your soul but you see after that and you begin to make the right effort then he converts your soul so that your soul will now lean more to your spirit side. When your soul lean more to your spirit side and agree with your spirit, it means two-thirds of your being is now on the Lord's side. While the soul and the spirit can now combine and put the body under. Now, having said that, let me move on by saying this. These are strategic facts that when properly comprehended, they have a way of helping you to be a better person in every respect and become very effective in whatever you lay on hand upon as it were, as it were to do. Now, my soul. What are those things in my soul? When you say mind, that is part of your soul. Will, that is part of your soul. Emotion. That is part of your soul. Feelings. That is part of your soul. So my mind is so important. My mind is so crucial. People don't know the importance of mind. First Peter chapter, I mean, First Peter chapter 1 verse 30 says, Guard up the loins of your mind. Which is part of my soul. Philippians 2 verse 8, Let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians 2 16 says, Who has seen the mind of God to be his counselor? He said, We have the mind of Christ. He's talking about our soul. Luke 12 29, he said, Be not of a doubtful mind. Isaiah 26 3, he said, I will keep them in perfect peace. I like that word peace again. To be carnally minded is that, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He said, I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. I love that word mind. Second Timothy 1 7, God has not given up the spirit of bondage to fear, but the spirit of power of love out of a sound mind. Sound mind. Listen to me carefully. 
Man is a three-parted being. Tripartite being. You have a spirit that God gave you. You have a body that was made from mud. You have a soul that was created when the spirit of God reacted with the mud. When man sinned, man fell. Your spirit fell, your soul fell, your body fell. So God began the construction work from the innermost part. From your spirit. He gave you a new spirit. He put a new spirit within you. Now he now says, okay, we are co-laborers. We are workers together. I want you to work on your soul. And that is one thing you need to do for yourself. That's not something someone else can do for you. Listen to this. You can never be a changed person totally just by answering an altar call. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says it like this. Listen to what it says. He said, I beseech you by the mass of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Then verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. By what? By the renew of your mind. We are not supposed to get born again again, but we are supposed to work on our minds. And when you work on your mind, you become a different person. And what differentiates one person from another person is their soul. And part of the thing that make up your soul is your mind. It's a crucial part of it. One Christian is said to be a good Christian. One another Christian is said not to be so good a Christian because of their soul. That part of us differentiates us from one another. When they say that person is a mature Christian, it means that he has brought his soul into harmony with his spirit. And soul and spirit now, the inner man are working on the outward man to put the outward man under. When two people are against one, they always succeed. But you see, some Christians remain carnal. Why? They don't work on their soul, and so their soul team up against with their body and suppress their spirit. And so they remain carnal Christians. They lie, they are dishonest. They are not faithful, they are not committed, they are not loyal. You won't see the everyday evidence of good Christianity. So let me go on here. So our mind is very important. And our mind is so important because of our thoughts. Our thoughts is so crucial. Now quickly because of time. When I gave my life to Christ, I made up my mind in seven areas or in reference to seven things now I made up my mind as a way of saving my soul as a way of bringing my soul on the same level with my spirit when it comes to being able to perform in life and the following seven things are the things that I did and they are the seven things that you need to do if you are going to break limiting powers number one I made up my mind I will never allow Satan or the devil to limit me. I made up my mind. You see, it's still in my mind. It is still in my soul. I was working on my soul. I won't allow Satan to limit me. Because I know Satan is very resourceful. Ephesians 4, 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, Let Satan should have an advantage of us. So that was the first thing I made up my mind to. It is still in my mind. So... I made up my mind that I was not going to think thoughts that will allow the devil, as it were, to lord it over me. I will not allow the devil to limit me. 
Whatever the devil says is not what will determine what I'm going to do or where I'm going to go to or who I'm going to work with. Number two, I also made up my mind I will never allow my family background to limit me. You see, any time you are still talking about your family background as the issue of why your back is to the ground, it means that you have not really succeeded in getting your soul saved. Your family background is still what is conditioning you. So I made up my mind, I will not allow my family background. You see, I, I, I come from a family and I have an idea of the family I'm from. So in order for me to be able to operate without limits, I say I'm not going to allow my family background to, to, to limit me. Number three, I also made up my mind, I will never allow others to limit me. I will never allow others, my family members, other Christians, what they say or think or do. I would never allow other Christians to limit me. David was one person that made up his mind like that. You need to be able to guard up the lungs of your mind. If you're not going to be limited in life, you need to guard up the lungs of your mind. You need to have total charge and control. I am not going to allow my family background. I'm not going to allow others. In 1 Samuel 17, the brothers of David wanted to limit him. 1 Samuel 17 verse 28. In 1 Samuel 17 verse 32 and 33, even King Saul wanted to limit David, but David never allowed that. If what others are saying or believe about you is still what is determining many things about you, your soul is not saved yet. You are still a servant to your soul. Others are still more important. Others are still so crucial that they control you. Number four, I also made up my mind that I was never going to allow whatever my circumstances may be to limit me. My circumstances may be to limit me. If I have a job, I don't have a job, it will not limit me. If I have a car, I don't have a car, it will not limit me. If I have a house, I don't have a house, it will not limit me. If I have money or don't have money, it will not limit me. Your circumstance simply describes situations surrounding you. That's what the circumstance is. Your circumstance can also be defined as not just situation, but the state in which you exist. So I made up my mind. Remember, your mind is part of your soul. And this is a place where you have control. This is a place where you should not allow. You see, for as long as you cannot control your mind, you will live a limited life. For as long as you have no charge over your mind, for as long as you have no control over your thoughts, for as long as you have no control over your emotions, you will be limited. So breaking the limitations of our lives begin by mastering our soul and the things that go on there. So I made up my mind. I made up my mind. I will not allow my circumstances to limit me. Number five, I also decided that with reference to my life and ministry, I will not limit God like the children of Israel did. In Psalm 78 verse 41, he said they tempted God, they limited the Holy One of Israel. If you don't want to limit God, what do you do? I said to myself, I will give him all he needs with which to do business in me 
with me and on my behalf. I will ask him for, for great things. I will expect great things. I will confess great things. I will pray and I will fast and I will do whatever I do. I will not limit God in my life. When you make up your mind that you not limit God in your life, then you are going to break the limits in your life. It's a, it's a decision of your will. Remember your will is part of your soul. So being saved in the spirit, having a soul that is not under your control by not working on it, will still make you live a limited life. Will still make you live a limited life. And then number four, um, number six, I also decided I was never going to let my past hinder me. My past is past. I was not going to let it hinder me. There are people whose future have been sabotaged and aborted by their past. I was in the occult and I had a bad past. I was on drugs. I was an occult person. I was a cultic person. I was all manners of the kind of person you can imagine. But I made up my mind after I got saved. How will I allow that to, to control me? My past is past. Apostle Paul had a bad past. He said, forgetting those things which are behind. It's not everybody who's got a good past. Solomon had a bad past. His mother was involved in adultery with his father to produce him, by the way. Those are not the kind of past that anybody is, anybody is proud of. I was not going to allow my past to hamper my future, which is where the best part of my life is. I learned this from Apostle Paul. He decided the past was past and was aware that God doesn't have a place in the future for those who think back, look back, hold back, act back. If the past keep holding you down, past relationships, past, 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 it means that your soul, you don't have control yet over your soul. You can't love now because of your past. You can't be committed to church because of your past. So your life is still limited. Your life is still limited. So I made up my mind, I was not going to allow my past to limit me. Then number seven, I also made up my mind that I was never going to limit myself. Like the children of Israel did. The children of Israel said in Numbers 13, 31, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And so were we in our sight. I made up a man I would not have a grasshopper mentality. I can do all things. I can do all things. For our souls to be saved, our soul to be restored to what the soul of Adam was before he sinned, we need to handle our thoughts well. We need to handle our thoughts well. We need to have control of our minds. We need to handle our thoughts well. Immediately I gave my life to Christ. This is very important. There is something of great significance on which I walked. And I've kept walking till today. But which believers are not conscious of, neither do they walk on. 
but which I will encourage you today to begin to work on. Those are things I call self-limiting beliefs or iceberg beliefs. Iceberg beliefs. I-C-E-B-E-R-G. For those of you who have ever done geography, iceberg is very dangerous. It was one of the things that destroyed the Titanic. When the Titanic sank, it was due to the fact that it hit some great iceberg. Iceberg shows up a little on the surface. One over ten. But nine over ten of what an iceberg is, is in the ground. Our thoughts at times are something so small, but it has limited our lives. It has limited our lives. Let me define in two ways what a self-limiting belief is. A self-limiting belief can be defined as those things we believe about ourselves, about other people, about things, about the world in general, which constrains us in some ways by placing limitation on our ability. Certain things we, certain things we believe about ourselves, about others, about the world, that constrain us and put limits on our abilities. Self-limiting beliefs could be conscious or unconscious. It could be founded or unfounded. But one thing is this. By believing those things, we do not think or do or say the things that we need to do. Because we believe those things. So I made up my mind. There are certain things I will never believe. And I will never accept and if I am somewhere today and I've done something today, it was because I chose and decided by an act of my will that self-limiting beliefs will have no place in my thoughts. I know what they are. Let me give you a simple example of a self-limiting belief. A simple example of a self-limiting belief of a woman. A woman may say, I am fat, so no one will marry me. I am fat, so no one will marry me. I am old, so no one will marry me. Now, if a person holds to that belief, it is a self-limiting belief. But you see, the point is this. And that person will be limited. In terms of our marital life. Now let me say it like this. Yes, you are fat. There's nothing wrong with that. But that you are fat is not enough for you not to get somebody to marry you. I am 40 years old, so I will not get a husband. I am 50 years old, so I will not have a child. I am 60 years old, so I will not have a child. Yes, you are 60 years old. But you see, if you allow that belief to control you, you will never do what you need to do for you to experience the full potential, of, the full capacity 
of your potential. I'm old. I cannot go to school anymore. That's a lie. That's a lie. So I made up my mind. You see, when you make up your mind like that, it gives you a healthy mind. It gives you a healthy soul. It gives you a healthy will to do whatever you need to do. You see some footballers at the age of 29, they think they are too old to continue playing professional football. But you see some other ones at the age of 40, they are still on the top of their game. What's the difference? Their mind, their soul. One person believes I'm too old to keep performing at the highest level. But someone says, old is just a number. I can do all things. Now that's the difference between one person and another person. I live in Inari. So, I may not have a worldwide ministry. Now, yes, you live in London, that's a fact. But you see, that has nothing to do with a worldwide ministry. Because from Inari, you can go to any part of the world. The reason why I've been able to go from here to all the seven continents of the world was that I did not tolerate those self-limiting beliefs. And there are so many self-defeating beliefs that many people have. Many of us. I'm going to give you a few of them in the next 10-15 minutes. When you have these things in your thoughts, enshrined in your thoughts, oh, because I'm in London does not mean anything. Where I am geographically does not matter. It is who I'm connected to that matters. How I start out is nothing. My age is not an obstacle to having children. Abraham had to work on his belief system. Oh, some sisters will tell you. Some sisters have even given up on getting married. Why? They are 48. And some people are getting married at the age of 57 for the first time. Why? They still believed that they will get married. But some people have limited themselves by their beliefs and when you allow your beliefs to limit you it means your soul is not in a healthy state. And that's something you need to work on. Oh, I don't have money so I can't do business. Who told you that? Oh, I want to do ministry and I don't have money to rent a hall. I don't have money. I know how you can start with nothing. I know how I started with nothing. Why was I able to start with nothing? Because having money was not a problem. I think God was the most important thing. He's got all the money. I don't have no money, but he's got all the money. And if it's his ministry, if it's his business, if it's part of my purpose and destiny, then I can do it. How many of you understand what I'm saying so far? That's all. If you're not going to be limited in life, you need to work on your soul. Let me give you a few examples. A few examples of some self-limiting beliefs that we have. Let me tell you the way it works. Everything starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought. A thought. You begin to think I'm too old. You begin to think I don't have money. You begin to think I don't know anybody. There are certain people who believe that you can never get a visa unless you bribe, unless you know somebody. I have never known anybody. I have never bribed. I have never used an agent for any visa that, I've had, that I have. Never ever. Why? 
The person that matters most is God. He is the God of all the nations. When I went to American Embassy for the first time, several people came there with letters to people. I didn't have anybody, but I had God. I sat down on the chair and there was a minister of the gospel who was sitting next to me. He was shivering and praying in tongues. And I wondered why he was shivering when he was praying in tongues. You either pray and not fear or fear and not pray. Why are you doing both? So I asked him, I said, why are you doing this? He said, American Ambassador, we are at the feet of the cross. I said, with who? I'm not there. I said, Jesus Christ already came out from the cross. He is resurrected. And I'm seated together with him in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers, might and dominion. Now that is a belief that is not self-limiting. He is at the feet of the cross. Jesus is just being crucified. He has not even died yet. He is at the feet of the cross. And so I looked at the man and said, the most senior man there knows that I'm coming. He said, I said, he has been told that I'm here today. He said, ah, the most senior man here. I said, yes. He's been informed. What was I standing on? Proverbs 21.1. The heart of kings are in the hand of the Lord. He turned it the, the, the way he pleased like the course of a river. Someone knows it as four. Oh Lord, give me favor. The kind of favor you give to people who serve you. I was trusting the favor that Esther received. The Bible says in Esther 2.17, immediately the king saw Esther, he fell in favor with the king. And I was saying to myself, immediately that man sees me, he's going to fall in love with me. And immediately I stood before him, he looked at me in the eyes, he said, why do you want to go to my country? I said, I want to go there to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. He said, you sure? He said, what are you? I said, I'm a minister of the gospel. He said, go and sit down. Your visa will be ready in 30 minutes. That's all. The man was shivering. When he got there, the shivering exposed him more. He got there. They asked him one question. They, they told him, quote three verses of scripture from three different books. He couldn't. The man said, you are not a minister of the gospel. You are only dressed like one. So, wait five minutes. We'll give you your passport. The same two people went to the same person. One came out confidently because self-limiting belief was not controlling him. Some other person came out and was defeated because of self-limiting beliefs. There are certain beliefs we have. Let me tell you how it happens. First of all, you have a thought. Your thought affects your feelings. Your feeling affects your belief. Your belief affects your action. And the action determines your result. Failure starts from your thought. When you think the wrong thoughts, when your thoughts are self-limiting, then your feelings should be wrong. And when your feeling is wrong, your belief will be wrong. And when you believe is wrong, your action will be wrong. And when your action is wrong, your results will be wrong. Over the years, let me tell you some of the some of the some of the self-limiting some of the self-limiting things that I have had to deal with. Number one, it has never been done before. When I started out in ministry, a man looked at me and said, What you want to do is great, but it has never been done before. I said, Well, that is why God sent me to do it. If something has never been done before, that does not mean that you cannot be the first person to do it. How many of you say amen to that? 
Now, if you have that understanding and that thought rule your heart, I'm going to be the beginning of a new generation. So when we printed our ministry's handbill, I wrote at the back, God is beginning a new thing on the earth. The first handbill this ministry ever had. Because everybody told me, it has never been done before. When people wanted to fly, it has never been done before. When people wanted to go to the moon, it has never been done before. Today, is it not done? It was done by people who did not allow the thoughts of other people to control them. How many of you understand that? Say yes, sir. Many of us have been living. You see, you are defeated by yourself. Nobody defeated you. You are the one who chose to believe what you believe. You are the one who chose to be affected and controlled by what affected you and controlled you. It's never been done before. Whenever I hear that, I'm very excited. Number two, they said, let us do it the way it has always been done. I don't like that. Let us do it the way others do it. I don't like that. New things attract attention. They say, Now that is stagnation. That's one problem I have with Nigerian institutions and banks. And even everybody's doing the same thing. Be creative. Be imaginative. We are creatures of a creative God. He created us to be creative. Think out of the box. Run church in a different way. It doesn't have to be preaching all the time. We are going to have a fashion parade this year. Fashion. Fashion. Fashion show. Yes. Because when you come to church, how many of you know you dress the best way possible? Let me see. Because if you are coming to meet the king, how should you dress? Look at you with your tattered shirt. This is a king. No place are you called to meet the highest of being than church. So when you dress shabbily to church, I cannot imagine how you dress at home. I'm telling you, when you come to church, look gay, look neat, put on perfume and kill the mouth odor. Look at your name and say, Ah, yama, yama, yama. Iru. Let us do it the way I don't like. It's why people say, let us do it the way we have always done it. it, 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 it it's repugnant to me. It's self-limiting. Can't we do it another way? Are there are not better new ways of doing things. Do we have to do it the way, this good old way? Self-limiting beliefs. Another one I dealt with as a young Christian. I'm not good enough to do it. I'm not good enough. When God told me I was going to go to the nations, I was going to preach the gospel in the seven continents of the world. I was going to go and preach the gospel to the white people who brought the gospel here. You know what I felt? My mind said, you're not good enough for that. I said, well, I don't have to be good enough. God is at work in me, but to will and do what? Do according to his good pleasure. I'm not good enough. So women will say that man is not good enough. Of course, that man as he is, is a rascal. He's not good enough. But you know what? God can work in him in such a way that he'll be the best person that ever happened to you. If he allows that, I'm not good enough. 
The devil suggested that to me when you go to England. What kind of English will you speak? This waru waru waru. The house is on the on the mountain. He says, Is that the kind of English I'm gonna speak? I said, Don't worry. I will preach the gospel to them in their own language. God will use my personality the way it is. I don't have to fake the way I preach. I don't have to fake my pronunciation. I don't have to fake my diction. I don't have to do that. When the gospel is bringing power, everybody forgets the packaging. Packaging called when you see raw gospel, when you see scriptures, the man quotes from Ephesians, Philippians, and when you open his soul, what will you say is wrong? Is it about English? Is English not just a vehicle that takes you to a place? Takes the message to a place? Smith Wiggles, what? An apostle of faith, a great miracle worker. He wrote a letter to somebody and he spent Holy Spirit in one single letter, seven different ways. And so when the man saw him, he said, I saw your letter, but you spelled Holy Spirit seven different ways. He said, do you understand what I was trying to say? He said, yes, he said, that's what matters. He said, that's what matters most. If you want to bear it, you need to destroy. Self-limiting beliefs are barriers to destiny. Self-limiting beliefs will hinder the expression of your potentials. And we amplify a little bit of that in the second service. I'm not good enough. Number four, I tried it earlier but failed. So if I try it again, I won't make it. I know others who tried it and failed. If others tried it and failed, what is it that give me the guarantee I will succeed? That is others now. That is others. Others tried to go on TV. After two years, they left and came back and left and came back. But since we went on TV, we have never had to leave. Self-limiting belief. I tried it earlier and failed. When you want to walk, you don't walk perfectly the first time you tried it. The first time I tried to preach, I was a calamitous failure. They gave me 45 minutes. In 15 minutes, I finished preaching. I told the man, I said, I finished. He said, you have 30 minutes more. I said, I say I finished. I know somebody who tried it. I know somebody went to the embassy and they rejected him. And that is keeping you away from applying for your own visa. You see that? Oh, I know somebody who went to America and they deported him. And that is standing in the way of your going to America. I know someone who started up business and it did not work for him. We are not the same. Our destinies are different. I know people in the last 27 years who traveled, who started traveling to nations of the world, but who today cannot enter into any country. We are not the same. I can't compare my own performance with theirs. There is nothing that makes me to end up the way someone ends up because we are different people. Do you understand that? Wave your hand and say, I hear you, sir. Simple. Self-limiting beliefs. Oh, I know somebody who went on full-time ministry and he's broke and he cannot feed his family. That is him. Since I went on full-time ministry, I've never been broke. Never been broke. Never will be broke. Why? Because I want that to limit me. How do you think it's more secure to work for a man who will not pay you for seven months or to work for God? Which one is more secure? There are workers in this state and many states in Nigeria who have not been paid in the last six months. And they think, we who are in ministry, 
when we started out, made the wrong choices. When I was going to leave Karapoli and go into full-time ministry, director then, God bless him, a good brother, brother Oladoshu, he told me, he said, I will keep your letter of resignation in a file. And in case you change your mind in six months, I will just tear it. I said, I will never come back. No man putting his hand on the plow and looking back. My soul is saved. That is why I think like that. My soul is saved. My soul operates at the level at which my spirit operates. And therefore, we put our bodies under. Self-limiting beliefs. Let me give you a few more. You two can cover with some, some that you know is limiting you. I don't have what it takes to do it. Resources. Mufem better business, but me, me only resources. Me lowo, me lancho yami if your idea is from God, God will fund it. Somebody told me about a business they want to start recently. When they shared the idea with me, I committed a substantial amount of my savings to help that idea see the light of day. Well, they are starting with nothing. They don't even have money. They don't have anything, but they have a good idea. Sell your idea. Sell your concept the way you sell your product. Sell it. I sold my ministry. I sell my ministry. I tell people, this I can do, this I can do, this I can do, this what I'm doing. And people invest in it. Another thing that limits is, I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Now as Christians, do we deserve anything? God told me years ago as I was there God said I don't give you what you deserve I give you what you desire what things ever you desire Mark 11 24 Proverbs 10 24 the desires of the righteous not the righteous desire deserve Titus 3 5 not according to the works of righteousness that I have done. You know why our lives are limited? Self-limiting belief. You will not even make the effort because you don't believe it will work. You don't believe it will work. I've come to a point where I don't think, look, when we're going to build this place, the money we had in the bank then was five million. After about six years of saving, six years of saving, and they brought a QS quantity, a bill of quantity from beginning to the end, 320 million. They said this was going to cost. And I looked at 5 million in the account. And I looked at 320 million. And I said, let's go, let's go and start. And some people said, how will we finance it? I say, it's not the building of my house. It's God's house. When they started building Solomon's temple, there was nothing to start with. When they started building the tabernacle in the wilderness, there was nothing to start with. When Nehemiah was being sent to go and build the temple, and Ezra was being sent to go and build the walls, there was nothing. Nehemiah, every one of them was being sent to do something. There was nothing. But whatever resources there need to be, 
happened. When we finished laying the foundation, the foundation of this place in 1999 cost us $6 naira. There was no single money in the account anymore. But you know what? I had faith. God will never order for what he cannot finish. Resources can never limit me. You need to come to that point. Why? Because I have the source of everything. Who is he? God. Self-limiting belief. You have not started that business. Not because you are not convinced God wanted to start. But you have fears. I don't have the resources. Who told you you don't have the resources? Your idea is your greatest resource. Your calling is your greatest resource. You see, when people start ministry, you beg for money for auditorium, beg for money for instrument, beg for money your accommodation, beg for money for carpet, beg money for sound system. I always say to myself, you are self-limiting. If you, if you believe that until you beg for money, you can never get funded, that is a self-limiting belief. I have never begged for money in my life. I don't even know how to. Probably I'm too ashamed to ask for money. Your money has finished. Another self-limiting belief I dealt with. I can't pursue my dreams because of what of if I fail. I can't pursue my dream. What if I fail? When Moses was pursuing his dream to be the lawgiver and the judge of Israel, did he succeed the first time? How many of you know what happened? Did he not fail? Answer me. Did he not fail? He failed. Failure is not final. Defeat is not definite. Until you are defeated in what you believe, you are not yet defeated. Seven times the righteous man will fall and rise again. My enemy, don't rejoice over me when I fall. I will rise. My hair will grow back. My strength will be renewed. I will be confirmed. I will be held up by God. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is a very present help in the time of need. Some people say I can't trust people because I've been betrayed before. (laughs) Come and ask me. I've been betrayed before. But I still trust people. Why? Because I'm now stronger. I'm a stronger person. I, 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 I am now than I was the other time. Listen to me. Tell your neighbor. There is nothing any human being can do against me now. Tell your neighbor. There is nothing any human being can do against me now that will surprise me. When your soul gets to that level where you know man. Say, my father will say, Enya, Toto Man, man is just man. Man is man. When you need them most, they won't be there. Man is man. When they ought to stand up, stand up for you, they will sit down. When you thought they would defend you, they will be the one to attack you. Ladies and gentlemen, breaking the power of self-limiting beliefs. 
this is a belief system that many of them got into us in various ways. Some of us were brought up. Some of us have mixed with people that believe these things. I was telling somebody, when does civil service job become more secure than working for God? When does working in a bank become more lucrative than working for God? I'm not saying it. When does living in Lagos become more lucrative than living in Ilori? When does living in London become superior to living in Ibadan? When? It's because you believe it. You believe it. And it limits your potential. It limits you from being who you are supposed to be. You have not released yourself where you are. Because you believe. You know, many Nigerians, be, it's only in Nigeria that when they give them visa, you see them throw a party. Ah, when I went to her, I they gave me visa. Eh? When somebody in Australia gets a visa to go to the US, it's nothing. If I is online, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, you get a visa. You don't have to see anybody. So what is that to celebrate? Here you go on 30 days marathon prayer and fasting to the kidney. License. Listen to me. For as long as that belief system is in you, changing location in the physical does not change anything. God bless you. Stand on your feet. Let's bless God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name. We glorify your name.